0: there, it's Gary Parish. Welcome back to CBS Sports I Own College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, Dodo Birds, Leaky Black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Be Brandon Davies. You have consent. Don't forget while you're here. Also, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Let's get into it. Busy Tuesday night in the sport. I want to start with what happened in Columbia, South Carolina. Final score was South Carolina 68, Ole Miss 65. And what that means is that the Gamecocks are now 20-3 overall, 8-2 in the SEC, after being picked dead last in the preseason. There are 14 schools in the SEC. South Carolina was picked 14th, but now the Gamecocks are tied for first in the win column of the league standings. And if Alabama loses at Auburn tonight, which is the projected outcome, we will have a three-way tie atop the SEC standings between Alabama, Auburn, and South Carolina. No Kentucky, no Tennessee, no Arkansas, no Florida, no Texas A&M. By the end of the night, it could be Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina tied for first in the SEC. Dead leg. I've got the Gamecocks 13th in the top 25 and one. What do you make what's happening in Columbia right now?
1: Gamecocks, man. Shout out to Devin Downey right off the top of the show. Good to be with you here on this Wednesday morning. And if there's any listener or viewer out there that feels so inclined to look this up, this is a little bit of a tough research project, but as you mentioned that I just wonder, let's just say let's go past 20 seasons. All right, do the the cutoff of 20 seasons. How many times has a high major program finished? first in this league and I would qualify that can be tied for first at the end of the regular season or outright championship. How many times has a school been picked last and finished first? I don't know the answer. I'm curious on that. I wonder if it's happened at a high major program so I'll even say that uh, you can put the uh, the earlier versions of CUSA into the bucket if you want. Um, the American Athletic Conference for the for the first you know six seven years of its existence. I wonder if it's happened two or three times. Period. Um, South Carolina is now in that discussion by nature of its of its win over Ole Miss there. And uh, f- first of all, this is the fir- This is kind of a, a wild one. It's the first time since 1996-97 when South Carolina won the SEC. Uh, championship that season that this program has won six straight sec games so at no point in the past 25 plus seasons had the gamecocks ever gone six in a row six up uh in sec play and they responded to prosperity well because right now you said you've got them 13th they are 15th in the ap top 25 as of monday's refresh gp it's the highest ranking for the team since the 97 98 season when they got as high as as number five coming off that strong uh, 96-97 campaign there. So um, I think the defense is what leads me to believe that South Carolina now has a genuine shot to finish atop the SEC. Uh, I wouldn't put them as the most likely team, uh, but I will say this. I brought up their wins above bubble right now. Nationally, wins above bubble, which as a quick reminder is how many more wins you've gotten versus your schedule versus what the average bubble team, according to Torvik's metric, would say. And the order goes... Purdue at 8.2 is number one. (laughs) Number two is UConn, 6.5. So almost two full wins behind. Three is Houston. Four is Dayton. Hello, Flyers. We'll mention you before the show's out of here. Five is Marquette, tied with Marquette. South Carolina for fifth in wins above bubble. 3.8 more wins to this point than would be expected from an average bubble team. They're doing a wonderful job here. And Lamont Paris has uh, has a team that isn't, it isn't still projecting well in terms of efficiency at this point, but I've seen enough of South Carolina to this point to know that he's got something really good cooking here, and they, they could be headed toward... they could be You can read off the... Uh, I'm sure you've got the quadrant numbers. I don't have them up in front of me, um, but I think our listeners are going to want to know that. They could be headed toward two- or 3 C territory if they can dodge any bad losses. Now, they are going to take L's because they still have you know, Rhodey against Auburn a week from today, they'll wrap up at Mississippi state. They've got a host Tennessee, but I think the schedule actually breaks for them fairly favorably GP in the sec and, uh, Talon Cooper, Michi Johnson, BJ Mack. They, uh, they just seem to, I, I really, you know, apologies for like steering right into a cliche, but I'm telling you, having watched South Carolina now seven or eight times this season, they do find ways to just get the damn job done and they did it you know against the mississippi team that had plenty to prove but couldn't couldn't get it uh, couldn't pull it off there congrats to the gamecocks 20 and 3 i will say they fall short of winning the scc but i think that they will wind up being at you know one game out of the top slot and wind up with a 2 3 or i guess at worst 4 seed um, in the scc tournament
0: as you pointed out, they're still not great in the predictive metrics outside of the top 40 at Ken Palm, outside of the top 40 of the net. But we've reached the point of the season where I do pay attention to those numbers, but I am more interested in your resume, in your body of work than I am your computer numbers. And the body of work is is like, it, it's not Purdue level, it's not UConn level, but it's good. They're 3 and 2 in quadrant 1, 5 and 0 in quadrant 2, so 8 and 2 in the first two quadrants with one quadrant 3 loss. Do you realize if they didn't have that quadrant 3 loss, they would be in top 5 range right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, from a resume perspective, yeah, but you know, they, like, they
0: But they do it. have it, sure. But Tennessee for instance, just to compare here and contrast, Tennessee is 9 and 5 in the first two quadrants. And I've got Tennessee in the top 5 of the top 25 and one. Now, Tennessee, they have one more quadrant, one win than South Carolina. They obviously don't have the quadrant three loss. They've only got one loss outside of quadrant one. My, my point is not that South Carolina should be ranked where Tennessee is right now necessarily. But if you could take that quadrant three loss off of off of the resume and that is um, a home loss to Georgia, then, then South Carolina's body of work um, would would. Arguably, be top five in the country, and arguably, it might be right now because trivia time. What do you think their strength of record is?
1: Uh, Based on what I said with Wins Above Bubble, I'll say they are at this point. They've got to be. I'm a. I'll say number eleven. That's a. That's a shot in the dark. Four.
0: Four GP strength of record is four. And I remember having these conversations, and I thought about this this morning because I led the top twenty-five and one with South Carolina. we, we, we had these types of conversations with Kansas State last season because they were picked last in the Big 12, heading into Jerome Tang's first season. Now, KSU obviously didn't uh, win the Big 12, but they did go to the Elite Eight, and Jerome Tang was an obvious National Coach of the Year candidate. I don't know if we ever got a definitive answer to the question you asked at the top, which is, has a power conference school ever won its league after being picked dead last in the preseason um I, I, if somebody you know can dive in knock yourself out i ain't yeah. got the time i'm not I'll a real shout
1: out if anyone finds it i'm not asking this is a this is a real homework assignment but if you get it and you can uh, show your work we'll give you a shout out on the friday podcast.
0: yeah i'm not a researcher i'm a talker and a ranker of basketball teams but not a researcher so i let other people research but i was googling this morning i google every morning if i'm being honest but i was googling this morning uh just to confirm that South Carolina was, in fact, picked last in the SEC in the preseason. I knew that. I thought that. But I just wanted to check, check my work, you know? So I, I'm Googling, you know, was South Carolina picked last in the SEC? And I stumble into a piece from the TheBigSpur.com, which covers South Carolina athletics.
1: As one does, yes, of
0: course. And there were some really interesting quotes from Lamont Paris in there from Media Day. Back in October, when he is informed that you have been picked last in the SEC, here's what he said. Remember, this ain't last night after they improved to 20-3. and three. This is in October when they were projected to finish last in the league. Lamont Paris said, quote, I take it personal, and I take it personal for a lot of reasons. Ultimately, it says we don't think that coach is very good or we don't think those players are very good. There's no denying that. You think the coaching or the players are not very good at South Carolina, and that's okay. But you're not there every day. I'm there every day. I'm going to take that personally. And he went on to say, how could you pick us last? I don't understand how you could look at what we are and pick us last. It makes no sense unless you believe the coach is no good or the players are no good. And he has certainly backed that up. I'm with you. I don't know that they'll win the SEC. I'm not going to predict them to win the SEC. But I will tell you, when we were talking about them very briefly several weeks ago, because they were starting to build the resume and starting to uh, legitimize themselves with quality wins, I said I think the difference between, say, South Carolina and Tennessee is that South Carolina is going to gonna be a problem for people at home. I just don't know that they're going to be able to go on the road and win enough games to actually finish with the best record in the SEC. I think Tennessee is going to be able to go on the road and win games. I don't know if South Carolina is going to be able to go on the road and win games. That's what I said a few weeks ago. Since then, they've won at Arkansas, at Tennessee, and at Georgia. They're proving people wrong. They're really, really good. And it's a reminder that when you hear new coaches, first year, second year, third year, talk about how they need time or ask for patience. I'm not saying that in some circumstances you don't need time. I I understand. But what we just watched is Lamont Paris struggle in year one at South Carolina and then totally remake the roster. Like he struggled last year at South Carolina, finished near the bottom of the SEC, and then lost his leading scorer, Gigi Jackson, to the NBA draft. So... Okay, how are they going to be like, I understand why they were picked last in the SEC or near the bottom of the SEC, but he went out and rebuilt the roster through the transfer portal. Right now, four of the top five scores at South Carolina are players who were not in the program last season and three of the top four are transfers. You mentioned Mac. He was at Wofford last season. Cooper was at Minnesota last season. Miles Stute was at Vanderbilt last season. Then they got Colin Murray-Bowles as a freshman. He was ranked 108th in the class of 2023. But he got 16 points, 9 rebounds, in the win over Ole Miss last night. He's their fifth leading scorer. My point is, no matter what position you find yourself at the power conference level, if you've got the right coach and you've got the right NIL, it's just possible to build a team in one offseason. We saw it at Kansas State. Before Jerome Tang's first season, he went out and got Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel, and built a an Elite Eight team from nothing. And it looks like Lamont Paris has now done that in advance of his second season at South Carolina. And it's why, again, when you hear other relatively new coaches at even bigger schools talk about they need more time or this thing's a process, it's not really – it wasn't a process for Jerome Tang. He just went out and got the job done at Kansas state. And it's not been a process for Lam- Lamont Paris. He rebuilt that roster last offseason, And now he's got one of the best teams in the country.
1: Um, Colin Murray Boyle's led the team against Ole Miss with 16 points. That's also Colin Murray Boyle sounds like uh, someone that might have been on the uh, original cast of the UK Office, or like, <laughs> yeah, or a guest star on Peep Show. Um, very, uh, very British sounding dude down there in at uh, South Carolina, and he is Lamont Paris is doing this without a. At this point, statistically, like without a top five player in the SEC, um, there's no one on the roster that's going to be in contention to win SEC player of the year, which uh, which is all the more impressive, frankly. And he has, yeah, wildly overshot expectations, not just with preseason, uh, preseason SEC coaches poll and media poll, but also it not going so well last season. Um, Just the presumption was that, yeah, this was just going to be a rough year, two, And then we'll see if they could get it going in year three. And. Love it, man. Every year, every year I say this, we get these awesome, awesome twists to the season where you just look up and you got a team, uh, that's ranked in the top 25 that wasn't considered to be anything close to that heading in. And South Carolina applies in that situation as much as any team in the country, 20 and three Gamecock fans. I know you're thrilled. Um, I'd say all of the state of South Carolina right now at the moment is, uh, is pretty thrilled because we got to get to the other one that got a big win on Tuesday night. But, uh, but yeah, big on big on the Gamecocks, and then real quick, real quick on um, on Ole Miss, eighteen and five now with a five and five record. Um, Alan Flanagan went for twenty six in this game. Uh, South Carolina kind of shut down uh, Ole Miss's uh, eye for shooting three pointers. They they made four out of ten, but they only they only took ten, and they just did. They played a good game on the road, but it just wasn't enough. And to me, it was reinforcing for, uh, for South Carolina's bona fides. Uh, Ole Miss now has uh, has lost four of seven after starting the season 15-1. and one, And in my opinion, has slid right onto the bubble.
0: I think South Carolina is legitimately good. I think Ole Miss, whatever it has accomplished, it has accomplished because Chris Beard is excellent. I, I think he's won them some games they otherwise wouldn't win. And he's kept them in some games they otherwise wouldn't be in. But ultimately, he might just not have the roster he needs to to really push this thing um, where it looked like it might have been going, say, earlier in, in the season. I think Ole Miss can still make the NCAA tournament, but, um, you know, the, 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 they come back to reality a little bit as they've uh, gone down the uh, uh, through the SEC schedule. One last thing on, on South Carolina, you know, Gigi Jackson, who was their leading scorer last season, he's my neighbor now. Not technically, but like we live in the same area. And he was asked about South Carolina, you know, a few weeks ago because he's, I don't know, it, you're probably not following it. I don't know why you would.
1: Yeah, but You have mentioned this on the show. Keep going.
0: But because of, uh, you know, the Grizzlies have been without 13 of their players recently, <laughs> like literally 13 players out, ruled out. Uh, the other day they had, t- they, they played and they had two players, like full time players available. That's it. They, they, they had a, they, and, and and so but G.J. Jackson has got to play a lot in the NBA and he's playing well, like he looks good. He looks like a steal with the 45th pick in the draft. He was asked about South Carolina. He said, you know, I would have never said this a year ago. I'm paraphrasing. But he said, I might have been the problem. Like I was there. We weren't good. Now I'm gone. They're very good. I, I need to own that. And I thought that was a mature thing to hear come out of his mouth and just, you know, alternate universe. I was thinking about this the other day. If Gigi Jackson never reclassifies, for people who don't know, he was originally in the class of 2023, reclassed 22, then went to South Carolina, but he was initially committed to Carolina. If Gigi Jackson were at North Carolina right now and playing exactly the way he's playing in the NBA, but doing it at North Carolina right now, he really might be the number one pick in the next draft.
1: That time is coming on, but yes, that's that is certainly conceivable to see how that might have been the case.
0: It's just something to think about if you're the next phenom considering reclassifying. Like it didn't, it cost Gigi Jackson literally millions of dollars to do that. Now I understand why he did it because he got lots of money to do it, presumably. Um, But it cost him a lot of money, and I just if you took Gigi Jackson right now and said "You're, you're the way you're playing right now. I'm going to pretend you were playing that way at North Carolina. What would the mock drafts look like? He'd probably be a a projected uh, top five pick. But uh, for now, he'll just continue to to score points and grab rebounds for a Grizzlies team that is shorthanded and struggling. Let's move on. Bouncing around other notable results from the past two nights. Norlander is going to guide us next. But first, a word from our partners.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
0: All right, Deadleg. I think we covered South Carolina. What else we need to know? We got to still stick uh, with
1: the team in South Carolina, GP. Chat's been on fire talking about the Clemson Tigers uh, and North Carolina. So uh, good night for South Carolina. Uh, not a good night for North Carolina. Um, Clemson walking in there and, uh, and getting only its second win in 62 tries ever. Um, these teams have now split the season series. Um, we'll get to this and then uh, and then I want to talk K-State over Kansas. But since we were just on one team in South Carolina, let's hop in and, uh, and talk Brad Brownell's team because I think this win is going to push, I think, because <laughs> Clemson had been stumbling as of late. But I think it's going to push it toward um, getting into the tournament with uh, it's got room to spare right now. Like Clemson's probably in the I didn't break it down. I think Clemson's probably in like the six, maybe five seed range. If you really look at that resume uh, at the moment there. Um, Last time Clemson won on the road against an AP top five team uh, per CBS Sports Research was uh, over number four Wake Forest in the 76-77 season. Obviously, Carolina right now is in the top five. Congrats to Clemson for, uh, for getting the win and, you know, trying to keep pace, uh, and, and stay better than 500 or at least at 500 in the ACC by nature. Of this win Clemson's now 15 and seven, it's five and six overall in the league. And it has been up and down, but it has the road win against Alabama. Uh, the pit win isn't is, is a road win, it's not a great win, but it is a win on the road and it will be quad one, uh, has beaten TCU projected obviously as a tournament team. And then here over North Carolina, um, I I, th- I think they're going to have enough to uh to pull this out. Now you can't can't mess around here if you're Clemson. We'll get to Carolina in just a second, but uh, I thought this was I thought it was pretty damn important and pretty damn surprising with the uh, with the way they were able to just walk in there and and really just not mess around whatsoever. Um, any quick takeaways on uh, well, what happened yeah, in Chapel Hill?
0: Well, well, first, as a reminder, all Quad One wins are not created equal. That That's yeah. That, that that's a big one. You go to Carolina and get one. That's a big one. It looked like the classic. I don't know if you had it on at the beginning, but man, we just beat Duke, man. We were, you know, uh, well, there's, there's something
1: to, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you. There's something to that. Like, did yeah. you see the quotes after the game on this stuff from Carolina? I didn't see the quotes. You tell me. All right. So this is uh Luke DeCock Who's done a wonderful job covering stuff there. And this is, I think him paraphrasing. Uh, he's got one direct quote here. Um, so there's no such Trimble that was available. The chat has mentioned, uh, some sort of tweet related to Trimble, maybe from one of his family members. I didn't see this, but there's also that, um, uh, but yeah, Carolina got out down, I think 15 to two and then yeah, after-
0: 15 to two to start the game. It looked like we just beat Duke and we're still a little hung over from that. And Clemson's like, man, we, we, they just beat Duke and we need a big win. One team looked ready to play and the other one didn't. And I know that's oversimplifying it, but that's what it looked like.
1: So Baycott, who is always willing to say, speak what's happened on the record. We very much appreciate that. Have given him props for that many times in the past. He said the team had a terrible practice on Monday. They didn't even finish the practice. They stopped it halfway through. Then earlier in the day on Tuesday for shoot around, um, there were, there were members of the team that showed up late, uh, which is obviously not a great sign. And then he said, quote, we're a great team, but we're not talented enough to turn it on and off whenever we want to end quote. He's definitely right about that. Um, Carolina has played above its talent level collectively, I believe, where you look at its record and its ranking and all that stuff. Um, but good on Armando Baycott for, as you know, a veteran leader on this team for being willing to kind of say how it was. that There was no doubt this is kind of the one where Carolina fans got to be like, you know, you got to be freaking kidding me, man. <laughs> like we, we come off this, uh, this big-time home win over Duke to, to reclaim what, we should, what should be ours in, uh, in the ACC. And while they still have a lead in the, in the conference, don't get me wrong, um, just a weird one. Like a weird one from UNC on um, on Tuesday night. It was a good night for the ACC overall. Like Wake rolled at Georgia Tech. The current poll right now, not you can message me the results. The poll right now is how many bids will the ACC get? Three, four, five, or six to the NCAA tournament. Wake got a win at Georgia Tech. Still needs more, but it got the win and it rolled easily. And then Virginia on Monday night uh, just ripped the soul out of Miami's chest. And now Virginia, you look up, uh, it's won eight in a row. So these results, Parrish, are good for the conference um, and it's, uh, it's moving toward a position where it's going to get, you know, probably at least four or so, but, uh, but anyway, that's kind of an all, an all around ACC take Continue yeah. with your thought and, on Carolina or Clemson.
0: And I, I think you're right. It was, a, it's been a good few days for the ACC. Like Duke and Carolina are going to be there at the end. Like, I don't know about the very end, but we're not going to be sweating them on selection Sunday. Um, who else can you comfortably get in? Uh, Virginia is headed the right direction. Clemson, that was massive last night. Perhaps Wake – they need other teams besides Duke and Carolina to show them those legitimate NCAA tournament teams and legitimate contenders to advance in the bracket. And in that regard, with what Clemson did last night and what Virginia has been doing, um, yeah, that's good stuff for the the ACC. Uh, Not a big deal. R.J. Davis is probably a first-team All-American, but he he was seven – of 22 and the loss of Cle- to Clemson. He's now 12 of 36 from the field in the past two games. My iPhone tells me that's 33%. He shoots about 10 percentage, 11 percentage points better than that on the season. So, um, you know, he, he, I'm not worried about him, but it is noticeable that over the past two games where Baycott has gotten back to, you know, producing at least offensively, the way he has in years past, RJ Davis has, has cooled off just a little bit. I I don't know if those two things are connected, but, but uh, you know, they, they do stand out.
1: Yeah. It could just be a blip. It might be a blip poll results right now. Chat says 46% is the winning uh, for four teams from the ACC getting into the tournament. That's the leader. Three teams comes in at 33% and then five teams, which I might be inclined to say, to be honest, that's 21% that's bringing up the rear. I think there's a real chance the ACC can send five, um, I think four is the is the floor here, but that's a that's a good job for the ACC over the past 48 hours or so um, to uh, to improve its standing uh, when it comes to tournament bids. Let's just let's rewind here to Monday night real quick because for the second straight season, Kansas State won in overtime over Kansas in the Sunflower Showdown at the Octagon of Doom. Jerome Tang absurdly has never lost in two and not even two full seasons as a head coach. He is at 11. Overtime wins in 11 overtime games. Uh, This is the, I think Andrew Weatherman had this as well. I think it's the second longest overtime win streak in history, only to the active one. Shouts to the ACC again. Leonard Hamilton's Florida State Seminoles going back like eight seasons now. It's taken them like eight seasons to win 14 straight OT games. It's taken Kansas State a season and a half. The, prob- the problem for
0: Florida State is they can't get to OT anymore. now it's nah, now, it's, now
1: it's <laughs> an issue just to get to the bonus session there. Um, I'd love to see somehow these streaks continue and then uh, watch the universe collapse in upon itself uh, to see Leonard Hamilton and Jerome Tang, K-State, Florida State playing an overtime game. But they're both probably not heading to the tournament. I'd love to see it happen. Anyway, um, Kansas comes off of a domination of Houston, a home domination of Houston in a big game, right? And then turns around two days later, Caroline didn't have to play on the road and they got an extra day of practice. Uh, Kansas did not and had to turn around and go uh, make the, what, the 70-minute drive across the state to play K-State and uh, GP. Wildcats, you know, they were and are, um, you know, in that bottom five convo with the Big 12 this season. But a win like this... You know, that's uh, that's a major not all quad one wins are built equally. Um, and nevertheless, a, uh, a home win over Kansas uh, registers a ton. And this one, I'll also note Johnny Furphy, not much of a big factor. I don't think the correlation causation there exactly, but he had been rolling. Kansas had been rolling. He was off. And then KU winds up uh, taking an L and OT
0: first 11 and O and OT. Um, I, I know there's some like smart, you know, smart statistically minded people who will tell you that's just you can't draw anything from it I just don't believe that I, I believe you can I, I do that's 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 us behavior that's us behavior okay that's not of them of them would not be 11 and 0 in overtime and us would all right Jerome Tang's one of us no there
1: we have That's been well established
0: at this point point. and I do think it was just sort of hilarious the past week of the big 12 Like for a lot of different reasons. The Scott Drew ejection, the Kelvin Sampson uh, uh, ejection. But just back up to a week prior, Houston blasts Kansas State. Yeah. And Jerome Tang says, that's the best defensive team I've ever seen in my life. And then what happens? And then Kansas goes and shoots nearly 70% against the best defensive team Jerome Tang's ever seen. And then two days later, Jerome Tang beats that Kansas team. One of us. As Fran Fraschilla
1: would say, just another night in the Big 12, and he's not wrong. On and, that and I,
2: I've
0: been running into here and there, like somebody would be like, I think the SEC is the best league in the country, or I think the so-and-so is the best league in the country. The Big 12 has 10 teams. In the top 40 of the net, the average net ranking of the Big 12 team is 45.36. The average net ranking of the Big 10 team, which is the second best league in the country, according to the net, is 62.57. That means the average net ranking for the 14 Big 12 teams is roughly 17 points better than the average net ranking for the schools in the second best conference in the country. There are good teams everywhere or at least lots of places, but it's still not really a debate. The big 12 is the best league in the country.
1: Yeah. And that's across all metrics as well. Um, I don't think that's really deniable at this point, uh, but some have pointed to the big 12 kind of loading up a non-con with a lot of his teams destroying uh, bad teams. I get it, uh, but they still, you got to, you know, beating somebody by 29 instead of 15, you got to do it. It's not just like they can go out and choose to do it. And we got to compete and get it done there. Um, big win for K state though. And, uh, and I'll let the, let's just go Big 12. Let's go Big 12 minute real quick. Um, Iowa State won. Dude, I don't have it up in front of me here. I, I feel like Texas has more wins on the road in the Big 12 than it does at home. <laughs> like, it, it does not want to play in its own home building. 70 to 65 for Iowa State, a team that is um, that, you know, defensively, we know its reputation there and continues to be just a menace on that end of the floor. Um, that was a good win for the Cyclones. Elsewhere in the league, um, Baylor. Wait,
0: wait, wait, real quick, real quick, just to fact check you. Okay, Texas has four Big Twelve wins right now. Yes, three of them are on the road. Crazy. Cincinnati, at Cincinnati, at Oklahoma, at TCU, mm-hmm. but they can't. They only have one home win, which means they have in the league. They have lost at home to Texas Tech to UCF, Houston, and Iowa State
1: fascinating. <laughs> it's hard to win on the road in the Big 12 unless you're Texas, weirdly yeah. enough. Uh, they, they are the exception I guess that proves the rule there. Uh, Baylor did win at home. Number 13, Baylor beat number 23, Texas Tech, 79-73. Texas Tech has now lost three in a row and has allowed 70... This is kind of weird for Grant McCaslin's team, who he built his uh, his whole rep on defense at North Texas and kind of w- beaten in a race to 60. This Tech team is, is offensively minded, uh, and yet, uh, yeah, it's allowed 75 or more in six straight games. Only did... Only allowed 75 plus three times in its first 16 games the season. Baylor gets another win and is uh, picking itself up off the mat after a, after a slide earlier in the season. Uh, Oklahoma beat number 21 BYU 82 66 and uh, kept a BYU team that averages 12 threes per night to just eight there. Um, so good win for Oklahoma as the Big 12 just kind of continues to beat up on each other. That was a home win, obviously. And then I want to play this clip, not a uh, Houston won over Oklahoma State. Um, and then but Kelvin Sampson uh, got ejected. And um, listen, oh, ejections are having a moment. If I can channel Bill Simmons here, they, they really are between Chris Collins setting the tone. Uh, Scott Drew getting weirdly ejected over the weekend. And then I had more about that in the court report. Um, the AD stood up for him, got fined $25,000. I, I got told by sources, the Big 12 this season is finally using a third-party observer to grade its officials. <laughs> it had not been doing so for a number of years while other power conferences were doing this. That's wild. But uh, but yeah, that is uh, that is now the case. And then there was a memo sent out that in part was prompted, I think, by my reporting about coaches being on the court like six weeks ago. That said, hey, listen, this is we can't have this anymore. And so, because of all of that, um, coaches and refs were all on kind of watch from the Big Twelve. And there's this new grading system, and I think that prompted. Uh, you can read the court report. We'll link it in the description. And so, with all of this, then Kelvin Sampson, who's up like 20 at home against the worst team in the league, decides to storm out onto the floor. He's he's like just eject me. I, and afterward. I thought we might actually get something different from Kelvin than what we got. Nada's got the video. Here's what he said in his press conference when asked about what happened in that ejection.
2: Kelvin, if we could start with the, uh, what what exactly happened there. And, you know, just your thoughts on, um, I have no thoughts. So if I say something, answer your question, they find me 25,000. What part of 25,000 are you willing to pay? So don't ask don't ask me silly questions because
0: it's a twenty five thousand dollar fine if I tell the truth so I can't so don't ask me
1: so Houston wins easily I would say this the reporter asked the right question you have to ask that question Kelvin knows like uh, if he, if he had said that to me I said. Kelvin, I'll I'll toss you 25 bucks. (laughs) I'll (laughs) toss you 25 bucks to your $25,000 fine. Uh, It's not a silly question. You got tossed out of the game. You made quite a statement, uh, really a a big scene, uh, which we rarely see from Kelvin. Um, So uh, it was interesting to see that he was still kind of steamed afterward. Um, And to that point, and that's all you, Jeep. You take it away. uh, Fraschilla was also, and this Fraschilla has been as... Uh, from a media standpoint, commentator standpoint, as as responsible for um, shaping uh, the reputation of the Big 12 outside of the teams actually, you know, winning the damn games and all that stuff, GP, over the past like 10, 12 years, right? And now it's reached this point where the Big 12's long established as the best league. Even for Shilla on this broadcast went in on the Big 12 officiating. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's kind of intriguing to see how the best league in the country uh, is having an officiating problem. And I want to be clear on this. This isn't, this isn't not like your typical... Fans, we got problems. Our, 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 our refs suck in our league. Everyone thinks that. Uh, and, and reporting out the stuff with the court report and talking to about five different Big 12 sources, um, this has apparently been kind of bubbling under the surface where it's like, hey, man, this is just not quite good enough. It's not the end. It, again, not the end of the world, but it's not good enough. We're the best basketball league. We need to have the officials that, that reflect that. And for whatever reason, like this year, it's been way too inconsistent. And we saw that materialize again with Samson's blow up on Tuesday night.
0: Running all the way to the other side of the court in the middle of live action is hilarious. We got live action out there. I know. He wasn't just on the court like a like Shaka Smarter, Archie Miller. My man was determined to get out of this game. Uh, And what was and what was it funny about it,
1: or at least it made the scene all the more memorable. It's like it's this big night. Like they they take so much pride in their e So he looks like like if you don't know Kelvin, it looks like a fan has run onto the floor because <laughs> he's got the black racism t-shirt over him and it's like, "Oh no, that's not a f- that's Kelvin Sampson
0: in the middle of this thing." He wasn't in typical coach attire. Um, Kel- like I remember I've known Kelvin for nearly 20 years. I-, I like him a lot. We get along well. I have an incredible amount of respect for him. Uh, I think he he's a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. I know he's not technically there yet, but he should be someday. Um, he gets really angry <laughs> in the in the in the middle of games. Like there was one time I was on the sideline for a Houston game. I've, I've done sideline on a number of Houston games, but there was one time where right before the half something happened, and he was yelling at a ref. Similarly, not way out on the court, but he was upset, and so but he's also up seven at the half and I've got to do the halftime interview with Kelvin Samson, but he's still, st- I have to wait for him to stop yelling at the official before I can immediately pull him and put him on live TV. So obviously I have to go straight to that. Uh, Kelvin, I know because my producers are like, you got to get him, you got to get him. I'm like, he's yelling at an official. What do you mean? Step in. And uh so it, 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 it takes a little longer than normal. you got to talk. So I said, Kelvin, I'm it, it, uh, obviously you you seem upset with something that happened in the final seconds there. What did you see that bothered you? Won't you go ask him? That's what he said to me. <laughs> I said, okay, thank you, go. <laughs> but like, I, I, I only tell that story because like, I've known him like we are on like we're comfortable with each other, but he could not help. He yelled at me in the middle of a halftime interview because he was so mad at the official. Like I'd like video of this if it can be uh, obtained. He, yeah, th- th- somebody could, should be able to find that he, I like asked the first question and he like, he like, he was not, he had not calmed down by the time it was time for me to talk to him. So he gets, he gets caught up in it. I get it. I, I think more than anything that he, obviously you're not that mad about a missed call when you're up 20 in the second half. He and it he wasn't was, like it was, his guy got shoved. Oh like, yeah, no, was, no, 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 no. I get it. Like, it I, was a bad missed call, um, but it seemed like he was trying to make a point, and he made it. He made it. And then when uh, I know it's it's hard to be quick in a press conference setting. Even for people who are quick, but you're exactly right. Like a perfect moment would have been. How much of the twenty five thousand are you willing to pay? I'll throw a hundred on it, Calvin. Yeah,
1: we'll put a hundred in. Let's let's just can we get an answer to this question, Calvin? Yeah, I got a
0: hundred, and if you got a really good answer, I'll I'll make it too. Yeah, exactly. you got <laughs> right. demo. Like if you could have carried on like that, maybe you get him to to right to, exactly yeah but it was uh it, it to your point it was a perfectly reasonable question yeah, I, not a, yeah and I, he there are plenty of times when i hear reporters ask dumb questions in press conferences that was not one of them that was a reasonable question and, and even kelvin even kelvin knows it's, that
1: it's derelict of duty when he's available at the post game presser to not ask about the ejection like you have to ask about it and he can give you whatever else he wants but you got to ask the question uh the one thing that houston fans are going to want to know and even neutral observers are what happened there can you Get, can we get your thoughts on uh, on that incident? Let's keep keep it moving here. Um, Mountain West, GP's going to give you the standings refresh here. I'll just give you the results. Uh, Nevada went into number 22 Utah State on Tuesday night. seventy seven sixty three 63 win. Big time result for the Wolf Pack. Uh, this is a result where I think Nevada heading into the night was probably sixth in the tournament pecking order in the conference um, six bid Mountain West man, that's going down. This was a this was a huge one. Nevada's in that like eleven seed territory now by 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 nature of this result. I think although it's four and two in Quad One right now. And this was the first home loss for Utah State, which is now nineteen and four. Um, meantime, Colorado State uh, did not have any issues with Boise State. Uh, it's a couple of teams hovering around the. Uh, six line seven line i guess colorado state's got a little bit better of a tournament uh, resume at the moment they won 75 62 over boise state and the new mexico and sdsu they had road contests that weren't really uh, all that competitive where are we at it's actually a good night in the mountain west here so for folks kind of you know on a drive on a workout running around right now they can't bring it up what's the mountain west ledger look like midweek here gp
0: New Mexico, San Diego State, Utah State, Boise State are all 7-3 and three in the league, tied atop the league standings. Colorado State is one game back at 6-4. and four. Um, But I actually have Colorado State as the highest-ranked Mountain West team, even though they are technically in fifth place in the Mountain West Conference standings. I got Colorado State 19th in the top 25 and one, San Diego State 20th, New Mexico 24th. Those five schools, New Mexico, San Diego State, Utah State, Boise State, Colorado State, and Nevada at certain points in the season, but certainly those five, it's almost like the Homer Simpson meme. Is it a Homer Simpson meme? Do you know what I'm talking about? Keep going. I'm not real good with memes or emojis. Know, but keep but, going. But like, you know, where he walks in, puts the hat, and walks right back out immediately. Is that Homer Simpson? Yeah. That's the way these Mountain West there are teams are a
1: number are. of Homer Simpson memes. but Yes. Is that one though? You're talking about where he walks in, takes off the hat, puts it on the hat rack, walks out, puts the hat back on, and walks back out the door.
0: That's what these dudes, these Mountain West teams do with the top 25 and one. That's correct. It's, it's just a constant in and out. You like one day you're 19th, the next day you're out, one day you're 23rd, the next day you're out, one day you're 22nd, the next day you're out. They're just constantly going like that. back through the to top 25 and one over and over again.
1: It's, it's that's people are accurately stating it's actually Abe Simpson, his dad, who does that. But oh
0: okay. who cares.
1: Even not as not as in the, in the messaging, letting us know it's Abe Simpson. But you're but you're but you're there, and that's it. That's an apt that's an apt meme reference for you right there. Keep
0: in mind, I set the whole thing up by saying I don't know. I'm not good at memes. I feel like you should drop a
1: meme at some point here. Like just I don't do understand
0: memes or emojis. Sometimes people will send me emojis. I don't have any idea what they're trying to tell me.
1: Well, you're just opening it up for me. I'm just going to drop you random with the chat with you, me, and Nada. I'm just going to drop random emojis in there.
0: That's Every, actually I, you
1: mentioned Venmo. That's my Venmo thing. When I got to when I have to Venmo someone, I don't I don't say what it's about. I I bring up the emojis and I swipe and I just. Whatever my finger lands on, that's what I paid you for. It could be anything. It Could be a lollipop. Could be a mountain range. Could be an upside down smiley face. It could be the purple heart. It doesn't matter. That's what. That's what you're getting. That's I always be- put illegal drugs. Yeah, that's that's smart. Well, you're an expert in extortion, so that yeah. yeah no
0: matter what it is, I could be paying you for, um, you know, fixing my roof. But on Venmo, that's going to be illegal drugs.
1: It doesn't seem like that's ever going to backfire on you. I like that strategy entirely. Um, hey. Speaking of backfire, Michigan State walked into the barn and that backfired. Fifty-nine, fifty-six. 56 Minnesota is in fourth place in the Big Ten right now. Kind of sneaky. Also not the best commentary on the state of the Big Ten at the moment. But in all seriousness congrats to Ben Johnson. They're tied at six and five right now with Northwestern. Uh, right now the big 10 ledger is Purdue at 10 and two, Illinois and Wisconsin are eight and three and the Northwestern Minnesota are six and five. Michigan state is now six and six by nature of its, uh, 59, 56 loss at Minnesota. Um, Spartans are probably still in the tournament right now, but an 11 seed, I'd say at best two and eight, I believe in quad one games, um, That's an issue. Also in the Big Ten on Tuesday, uh, I have to admit I did not see a wink of this game, but Indiana was down 18 at Ohio State, and the Buckeyes blew the game. They have lost five in a row. They've lost eight of their past nine. They're in second to last. The Big Ten standings, I think it's Ohio State in 13th and uh, Michigan in 14th, I think it is right now. Weird, weird stuff there. So those are your... um, your big 10 doings. I don't know if you got a thought or not. But. Well, what are we going to do
0: with Michigan State?
1: I, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Now I want you
0: to do I something. I don't
1: have to do anything.
0: What would Homer Simpson's father do with Michigan State? Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Here's the thing. Meme that out for us 24th in the net, steal. 17th at Kinpom. But two and seven in quadrant one, two and two in quadrant two. So four and nine, five games below 500 in the first two quadrants.
1: And I think they're still projected. I think they're still projected as a tournament team, Parrish. Well, here's what Jerry Palm would tell you. Here's what Jerry Palm often. Well, this say. was before the result, though, but go ahead. This was before yeah. the loss of Minnesota, whatever you're about to say.
0: Every once in a while, I'll see Jerry you know, respond to folks on Twitter and it'll it it it'll often be a situation where folks are really hammering, uh, hey, we've got great computer numbers. Why are we not in the bracket? Why are we not seated better? So on and so forth. And what Jerry will consistently say is if if all you have is great computer numbers, you don't really have much. And right now, Michigan State, all they have is great computer numbers, but they do have great computer numbers. Now, seven of the nine losses, if we're looking for silver linings here, are in quadrant one. So they don't really have terrible losses. At Minnesota is not good. That's quad two. Uh, home to James Madison, also quad two. So those are Minnesota is quad two, I believe. So
1: I wonder if that's okay. That might that might graduate to quad one, obviously uh, by nature of the win. But uh, keep going. I do know, know
0: that I, I do I do think I know that last night it was quad two and still at this moment it is quad two because minnesota is 83rd in the net and you would need minnesota to get to the top 75 so right now that's one of the quad two losses for michigan state but my point is they only have two losses outside of quadrant one that's good but they have nine losses that's not good um i don't believe here's another homework assignment i tried to do it it's just difficult I don't believe a team has ever been in the top twenty on Selection Sunday at Ken Palm and been left out of the NCAA tournament.
1: Has not. I know the answer to this, but I can't draw it off my dome. Um, There's been a couple that have been in the twenties. Yes, that that have been even be. It might even be. It might be
0: Rutgers. I could be wrong on that. Rutgers Um, at one point did it. Uh, Penn State did it. Uh, Air Force did it. Teams that were outside of the top twenty on Selection Sunday missed the tournament, and then in the NIT, like won enough, did enough to get into the top 20 at Ken Palm. So, like, Penn State technically finished 19th at Ken Palm in the 2017-18 season, but they weren't in the top 20 on Selection Sunday. Same thing, I believe, for Air Force in 2007, South Carolina in 2006. Right now, Michigan State is 17th at Ken Palm. Um, but I, I, I don't know. that Like, they could be making history here in a not good way. Oh, yeah. and by the way, Tom Izzo's streak of NCAA tournament appearances, the best of all time for a coach, also in jeopardy. But if you're looking for a positive for, you know, from a Michigan State perspective, if you're a Michigan State fan, one place to look is that going forward, I want to make sure I've got it right. I looked at it last night. Six of the final eight games uh, on Michigan State's regular season schedule, are going to be against sub 55 net teams. So th- they have a schedule that should allow them to close strongly and theoretically make the NCAA tournament. But they're going to have to close strongly. And, you know, I'm pointing out that six of the final eight are against sub 55 net teams. And that's one, re- but they did just lose to a sub 55 net team last night. So we'll see where it goes. But the schedule is set up for them. To, to win a lot in advance of the Big Ten tournament from here until then. And if they do what the computer suggests they should do, they'll be okay. But the problem for them really all season is they ain't been doing what the computer said they should do.
1: That's that is uh, that's accurate. Someone in the chat mentioned Missouri State 06. That was a famous RPI. I think Missouri was like 19 in the RPI. Um, I don't even know. Uh, I don't know what the compound data is on that, but there have been a few that have been in the 20s. But I don't think anyone's been top 20 the morning of Selection Sunday and then not gotten in. Uh, MSU and Gonzaga, of course, two of uh, the two longest active streaks. I, you know, count Kansas in there. They, they got taken away by the NCAA, but they've been we know, what the, we know what the damn deal is. Kansas is not in jeopardy, but Michigan State and Gonzaga are right behind them for the longest active streaks. Those are both in jeopardy. Uh, wrap up real quick here. Uh, two news notes and then a couple more games. Uh, Benny Williams is off Syracuse's roster. Uh, this is the entirety of Syracuse's statement. Benny Williams has been dismissed from the Syracuse men's basketball team. Everyone involved with the program, wishes Benny, the best. Uh, I don't have any information on this, but uh, my long-running belief is: the shorter the press statement, the worse the situation is.
0: And it was, uh, was, it, was it? Did I see this right? Was it on a, like a weird graphic or a weird? Just font? A
1: simple, simple social media graphic, simple text, like two sentences. And
0: yeah, uh, it was weird. It looked weird to
1: me. I don't know what the deal is there. Um, he uh, came in as a, you know. A lot was expected of Benny Williams. It just didn't uh, work out there. So uh, that will be a portal player to uh, to keep an eye on, I guess. But uh, yeah, Syracuse fans know they didn't uh, quite get what they wanted out of him. And then uh, our best uh, Southern Miss coach, Jay Ladner, he was hospitalized Tuesday, yeah. according to the school, uh, due to a heart-related medical emergency. He is expected to be okay, uh, but is taking time away from the program, which is now coached by interim Juan Cardona. Ladner is 58-3 results to get to, and then we can move on to a previewing. We'll note that UConn got a game from Butler. Impressed by Butler going on the road at Bean Creighton, and then they got to go, they go Creighton. UConn, Roadies, back to back. Split that. Good job by Thad Miles team. They actually made it interesting. Uh Benetti and Rafter we were on this call. They called it a great game there. Klingon had 18 points, 14 boards, three assists, three blocks. Dayton on our network, one at St. Joe's with a 60 point second half, 94 and 79. Those flyers are 19 and 3. GP, real quick for the audience. I'm going to guess. I'll say you've got Dayton at 17th in the top 25
0: and one. Where are they right now? Oh, looks like somebody forgot who the master of ceremonies was. A ten media lunch in pre-pandemic. I like
1: to see it. What do we got him at?
0: Nine. Holy crap! I'm not playing around. Nine. Okay. Let Why me be master of ceremonies a couple of times. Let me be master of ceremonies a couple of times, and you know. I think we'll he you. Hey, hey, like hey, hey, UConn fans. It's- if you're really upset about UConn being number two in the top 25 and one, do you need a master of ceremonies for Big East media luncheon? Because if so, maybe maybe I could reconsider.
1: Potentially so. Look at that. Flyers top uh, top 10 in Paris' poll. And the last one, I'm going to give some love here to the Bulls. Bulls on parade. Come on now, although. What you what you what you oh. Let's go. South Florida. Was down seventeen at home Tuesday night in a big time American Athletic Conference affair against Charlotte. Both teams were eight and one going into the game. South Florida had it on its home floor and uh, came back to win to get to nine and one, tied with Florida Atlantic in the loss column, up a half game in the win column in the American Athletic Conference. Great job, great job by uh, Amir Abdul Rahim in year one here, man. They are sixteen and five overall and 9-1 and after finishing up with a 72-69 win over the 49ers. Uh, is his first season. This team has lost once on the road by four points to UAB. It has lost once since December 2nd. Um, good job by them. I sent it out on Twitter on Tuesday night. If I'm DePaul... I'm looking long at Amir Abdurrahim because he completely flipped kind of state from a one-win team to making its first tournament ever. And now after South Florida being largely trashed for a decade in his first season, they are into the second week of February tied for first in the American athletic conference. He's and, doing a great job and, uh, and that needs to be recognized.
0: And though. here's the thing. I don't know if you know him. Have you spent much time with him? Got I know. To- I, know him, I don't know him too well, but I've talked with him a few times. Yes. He, like he's one of those guys that when you talk to him for a few times, you but you walk away even more impressed. Yep. It's just an impressive guy. And and obviously a great basket. Like a, absolutely. I ain't trying to take USF's coach, but and neither neither am I. But I, I'm just I, trying I to you. say, like,
1: people are tossing out these other names for DePaul, yeah, maybe it lands. I'm just saying, like, if you want someone who's young, energetic, good recruiter, proven program flipper that might be attainable, that's your guy, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: he's he's in like he was in studio with us uh last postseason. Um just a A really impressive guy. Absolutely. He, if I'm, you know, I'm a high major program and I'm looking for the next great thing, I I, I at least want to look in his direction. No question.
1: Let's look ahead to the game, GP.
0: Can I get one more word from my partners? Partner. Hey, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl on CBS doesn't pay for itself, Norlander. We got to do our know. part.
1: How about this, real quick? Before we, we got to
0: do our part,
1: we do, we do. So, a little, if you're, if I, if you're listening to the pod, I don't know if you got a Super Bowl promo. If you're watching, you just got one there. I had an HQ hit on Monday, and they were coming live from right in front of the lot. The, the sets are incredible, yeah. And you and I have been there so many times for recruiting stuff. So, like, we know exactly the whole setup there. I let plenty of people know with CBS that are out there. Hey, listen. You need to steal away for a quick meal, secret pizza, Cosmopolitan, third floor. You got to get it done. But I go and I do an HQ hit on Monday, like kind of a poll refresh, which I do every week. And uh, I was, it was supposed to be like a three or four question segment. And and I was like, are you sure you want to like, I'll do it. I'll do the hit, but we're going to talk like college hoops. And like, yeah, yeah. I was like, OK, cool. And this was like in the morning. And then my hit comes up and it's, it's me and Chris Hassel. And the producer goes, hey, man, we got we got backed up with uh with with Super Bowl stuff, you got forty seconds. The gap between Purdue and UConn go, and I was like, "I'm good with this," but I told you, like, why? Like, we did not need to do this. is incredible. The Super Bowl coverage has been amazing and will continue to be. So, uh, I think I, I've actually got an HQ it later on today. But I was just chuckling. I was like, "We did not need to do this on the Monday leading into the Super Bowl." Yeah, um,
0: same thing. Like, I do a weekly uh, hit in Kansas City with Seren Petro, and like yesterday, it's like, okay, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Bobby Witt just signed the biggest contract in Royals history. Like, do you really, am I wasting your time now? It was the day after Kansas, Kansas state. So it's fine. But it's like, you got a lot going on right now. I don't know if you need me.
1: Oh, man, that's too uh, it's too good. If you have not heard, the Super Bowl is on CBS. On Sunday, we will... It's America's
0: uh, most watched network is the network of stars.
1: It is. Well, that will uh, As it is every single year, the Super Bowl is part of the Final Four and One, so technically the Final Four and Two. Uh, but uh, we got games in college hoops to get to before we get to Friday's show. GP, what's on the
0: docket for Wednesday and Thursday? Well, the big game tonight, and it should be great, we mentioned it earlier because it could be the thing that launches South Carolina into a first-place tie in the SEC standings. Alabama at... Auburn. Both are top seven in the net. Remember when people used to say, what do you want to be, a football school or a basketball school? What do you want to be? Yeah. Well, how about both? How about as Bruce Pearl might say in everything school, that should be fabulous tonight. Um, uh, uh, There's a lot of great smaller basketball arenas at the high major level. Baylor's got a new one. Texas has a great one. Can't win there, but they got a good one. Um, They have to go to other people's great arenas to win. But the Kennel, uh, Neville Arena at Auburn is outstanding. Uh, Just fabulous. And that place is not – Auburn has gone from, "Eh, there's a basketball game at Auburn tonight, whatever, to like there's a basketball game at Auburn tonight, and it's going to look and sound and feel incredible. And buddy, ain't nothing going to pop tonight in college basketball like that one will. We also get Creighton at Providence – and then Nebraska at Northwestern. This is interesting because, yeah, these these two teams have big wins at home. Mm-hmm. They're both double digit seeds in the NCAA tournament right now, according to Palm. So whereas Alabama Auburn is the biggest game because it's you know a game between two nationally ranked programs competing for an SEC title, that Nebraska Northwestern game is super important too. It is.
1: Um, I. That's a nine o'clock Eastern Big Ten Network tip. uh, Cornhuskers at Northwestern. Nebraska has not won a road game in league play yet. It almost got one Sunday after we finished podcasting. It played at Illinois, took them to OT. But you know what? Jerome Tang doesn't coach Nebraska. So we already know how that went down there. They lost in OT. And now you got a big one against Northwestern. Um, One of maybe... I'm not exaggerating here. One of maybe one times ever a Nebraska-Northwestern game was must-see TV. (laughs) Like, it's genuinely, it just is what the history, what it is, what it is. But this is a 9 Eastern Big Ten Network tip. That's got to see it. Nova plays at Xavier, by the way. Nova, like every game for them is urgent. Xavier, Jerome Hunter, who recently uh, was out uh, indefinitely because of a a heart issue. He just went down with a season-ending injury. That's freaking brutal for Xavier. Um, Just something of just a season at sea for for the X-Men there. Nova's got to win that one on the road. That's a 7 Eastern FS1 tip. Uh, Creighton Providence, 830 Eastern Fox Sports. Fox Sports two for Creighton at Providence. All righty then. Um, uh, the Friars trying to you know keep up uh, shorthanded. Uh, big one at home against Creighton. Got to have it. And then you mentioned Bama Auburn. Obviously the Iron Bowl of the hardwood, as I've uh, as I've dubbed this one. So let take that one and spread it around there. The Iron Bowl of the hardwood. Um, and uh, and I will be going to Neville Arena next weekend for Kentucky at Auburn, working on a story. Paris didn't even know that, so I'm breaking news to him as well. So you mentioned how good it is. Um, uh, happy and excited to uh, to be able to get down there. I'll I'll knock off two SEC venues on my on my uh, never been to list this season. I went to Arkansas, and then we see how that went for the Razorbacks. Auburn. I will officially be. The parish to your Illinois if I go to your arena and your tor- your season torpedoes after that. So we'll wait and see on that. But uh, that's next weekend when they host Kentucky. I'll be in the building there. This one is a big-time matchup. Auburn coming off its first Q1 win over the weekend against Ole Miss. Now Bama comes in. That's a 7 Eastern Wednesday night tip on ESPN2. Cannot wait for it. That's a huge,
0: huge, huge matchup. What do we got on Thursday? Well, I, can't. I see Dave in the chat mentioning that uh, you know this is uh Egg Bowl Bedlam. Ma- Marquette, with, that's the Marquette thing, is Wisconsin. Yeah, is it Marquette, Wisconsin?
1: Well, if you can't even remember that, that's that's how I think it is. It's
0: Marquette, Wisconsin. That's Egg Bowl Bedlam.
1: Yes, this is this is the Iron Bowl of the hardwood. Right, Egg Bowl Bedlam is Marquette, Wisconsin,
0: (laughs) whether they know it or not,
1: or whether they care.
0: I think I think people took signs to to like wherever they played the game. At least
1: one person made up a sign and and shared it with us on social. Egg
0: Bowl Bedlam. I can't wait for next season's edition Thursday night. uh, Some Pac twelve stuff. Num- number 8 Arizona's at Utah, Washington State at Oregon State, Washington at Oregon. Keep an eye on Washington State. I'm How on the you? verge of I'm on the verge of getting the Cougars in the top 25 and one. They are sitting here right now um they're 7 and 5 in the first two games above 500 in the first two quadrants, four quadrant one wins. They do have one quadrant three loss, but that's a resume that's very comparable to mm-hmm the teams I have at the bottom of the top 25 and one, I think on Wednesday morning, I've got St. Mary's at 26 and St. Mary's going to have better computer numbers than Washington state, but the bodies, the resumes broken down in quadrant form. Very similar.
1: Yes. Uh, Wazoo. It, <sighs> don't get beaver fevered. And, and whatever happens, we're just going to have to check our uh, CBS sports app late Thursday or early Friday. Cause that's a PAC 12 network game. 10 Eastern. Um, don't get beaver fevered though. If you don't, then, then, then we might be really talking here. Yeah, Washington at Oregon. That's just a you know Oregon it's kind of similar situation. Like, don't blow it on your home floor. Ten Eastern Thursday night FS1 game there. But Arizona at Utah is the game of the night on Thursday. And Utah, if it wins, it'll be sixteen and seven. And then let's you know let's at least give a couple minutes to the Utes if they can beat Arizona at home. This is a massive opportunity. Um, they lost previously by 20 against Arizona earlier um, in the season about a month ago. So uh, keep an eye on that one, but yeah, a lot of a West coast love. And then uh, FAU plays at UAB nine Eastern Thursday on, uh, on ESPN two. Dusty May's team is 18 and four, as mentioned just a few moments ago, tied in the loss column, with the south florida bulls so that is no gimme whatsoever here fau's next two are at uab and then on sunday they're going to play at wichita state um might be vulnerable to taking an l but uh but we'll see but that's what to know on, what's to know on uh on the thursday docket in college
0: just want to remind everybody i went five and zero in the top 25 and one last week
1: yeah we're aware don't don't get cocky
0: all right I'm a little bit like the I'm a modern day South Carolina of the top 25 and one. You're a little game cocky right now. I'm I'm exceeding all expectations. Little game cocky. I know people didn't think much of me in the preseason, but I was I was with me every day. Yeah, you were with you every day, weren't you? Still haven't figured out a way to not be with me every day. That's right. <laughs> I'm I'm working on it. Okay, <laughs> I'm working on it. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to. Terry MF and Teagle Legend. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to Eye on College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That should be reflected in the comments. So do that. We're going to talk to you again on Friday morning, where I will provide five more...